You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down, play fake to Thompson. And across the middle, and it's intercepted by Jabril Peppers. He will go to the end zone. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Ho, 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 Grump. Are you still digging out from our December blizzard? I'm not. I live in an apartment complex where they do the shoveling for me. Listen uh, to the Grump. High class. (laughs) Jefferson's moving on up. Oh, yeah. Nice perk. Uh, You know, there's perks to being a homeowner, and... uh, the, the drawback of being a homeowner is when your appliances fail and all that other shit, you got to handle all of it. I am yeah. not one of those people. So <laughs> I did I did approximately three seconds worth of shoveling my car out today, and then a guy who works at the complex with a plow came in and plowed me out, and that was it. Oh, very nice. You yeah. don't even own a car, so. I've seen pictures of cars. We had a nice walk around the neighborhood this morning, nice six to eight inches of snow here it was uh you know december snow is my favorite january and february and march i could do without but pre-christmas snow those april snows <laughs> that's when you really want to just kill yourself but well speaking of killing ourselves the giants <laughs> giants were set to host the cleveland browns on sunday night this game got flexed due to a number of storylines i'm sure uh the number one thing was um so they could replay the Sunday night highlight of the century of Odell Beckham making a catch against the Cowboys, which I'm going to set the over-under of replays at five. It'd be fantastic if Odell Beckham actually played in this game, you right? Was any sort anyway. Of I think five is a good guess. That sounds pretty strong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this game got flexed right after the Giants went to Seattle and, and took care of business and then uh, lo and behold, they laid an egg last week, and now this week we have a hobbled quarterback who is dealing with, in addition to recovering from a hamstring, uh, an ankle issue. This morning, Thursday morning, we learned that Jason Garrett will not be able to call plays or be on the field or be in practice as far as I know. Um, I don't know if he's able to do things via Zoom, but whatever. Practice today was canceled due to the snow, but Jason Garrett has contracted COVID, and he is recovering wherever he lives. Why, and, why are we canceling practice when they have a bubble to practice in? Is it just like the, the travel to get there? Or? Um, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think it was just uh, snow removal was the reason practice was canceled. All right. <laughs> as far as I know, yeah. Um, and I, I think that had more to do with um, travel to the facility maybe? I don't know. It, it has to be, yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, they do have an indoor... As far as I know, they've been practicing outside through all weather all year. Um, but uh, they do have an indoor facility for reasons like this. But I don't think they had practice today. I'm pretty sure that was a cancellation that was unrelated to Jason Garrett's COVID. So, uh, Freddie Kitchens, who now the new storyline is going to be, former OC and head coach of the Cleveland Browns, our current tight ends coach, will be calling the plays on Sunday night. God, the I mean... These are 
interesting little tidbits. They are not storylines. I mean, I'm sorry. They, I, it's kind of like as you're reading through the, the media guide and you're looking at the notes, it's like, oh, that's interesting. But then you leave it there. I, I you know, we're going to hear these things over and over. You're going to hear the storyline all day tomorrow about, well, if the offense looks pretty good, you know, Kinchins might be, you know, the one who replaces Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator and all of this. It's just like we're, we're trying so hard to manufacture stories when who's we, you know, we just the collective, not us on this show, but I mean, just what you have to kind of, you know, wade through and shovel out of in, you know, in Twitter and in your, you know, just getting information. Yeah. What's interesting is that Freddie kitchens became head coach because of his success as an offensive coordinator in Cleveland and his relationship with Baker Mayfield, I think was pretty good. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, for, for this year it is what it, this is. Look, it doesn't matter who calls the plays. It's going to be Jason Garrett's offense. They're not installing new plays. Yeah. Kitchen is not a, taking over the offense. If they do well, it's still because Jason Garrett's play designs. And I don't imagine that that's going to make a difference. And we also, you know, as we complained about on last, you know, episode, that we think this is kind of a made-up, trumped-up storyline, the Jason Garrett hot seat story, anyway. And so it just seems like well, I'm, I'm building... a little on the fence about that. I don't know. For me, it all depends on how much credence Joe Judge is given. If Joe Judge is given more leeway for hirings and firings. I think there's a chance Jason Garrett goes. If he is not won over ownership that far or Dave Gettleman that far, then I think Jason Garrett stays. That's my – That's. Yeah. My, I don't think Joe Judge really has a high opinion of Jason Garrett or the offense in general, the way it's being handled. That's my own opinion. I, but I don't really know that Joe Judge has won over anybody to that extent yet. Where they're, I mean, Bill O'Brien – this is exactly what happens when you give one guy too much. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that they're really ready to give a 38-year-old full reins to the organization. And Pat and Pat Shermer got the job here as head coach. I mean, he's only did as an offensive coordinator also. I mean, it's all the same. Uh, my question for you, Grump, and I thought about this after we did the show the other night, was you get the best offensive coordinator in the league, and you tailor – this offense to exactly what this personnel is right now. And you play call exactly to the strengths and you are a master of play calling. How much more orange juice are you squeezing out of this orange? That's, that's our offense. I mean, what, what is the incremental difference or what are we leaving on the field? That is purely because of, you know, the quote unquote, very conservative game call up, uh, scheming and play calling and, you know, having guys just, you know, running out five yards and turning and stuff. What do you think is the real, is it, is it a significant enough that this is even a conversation or is this just, we're whining? Um, it's, it's, we're, uh, if, if those are my options, it's, we're whining. And the reason why is because I, I think you're right. I think, um, the talent level on this team is, uh, not quite there for it to be a big production difference in terms of score. Um, I think we probably whine less. You know what I mean? I, 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 it's it's such a hypothetical, but you know, I, I do think that some of the short passes are probably designed because this offensive line is still learning, and they're still not very good, even when they're good. Um, and 
the idea is short passes, less time in the pocket, get rid of the ball. Um, there's that, you know. But I, I mean, I, I think the fan base complains a lot less when they see the shots. Be, I mean, the fan base is going to complain when, if whether they lose or not. It's so they're going to complain if we take deep shots and Daniel Jones throws thirty interceptions this year. So, you know, we're we're going to whine no matter what. Are we going to win more? Probably. I, I do think that um, taking shots downfield, it's, when we've done it, it's, it's worked out well. I mean, we haven't seen Daniel Jones throwing into double-triple coverage downfield. He, even When he's thrown downfield, it's been productive and it's worked. And I think that that should be what's going on. But I, I think it produces more points. I'm not really sure that it leads to anything more than one more win, maybe, you know. So the fact is, you're right. This offensive line is not really there yet as a unit. A lot of young players that are going to get valuable experience from this year and then in a full off season together. And you know, the wide receiver talent is not up there to par with the rest of the division, let alone the league. Um, and the quarterback is not very good right the now. The quarterback Even just needs time. Healthy. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, but I agree yeah. with you. Yes, there, there are. It, there is an equal problem between offensive play design and offensive talent. That doesn't mean that it shouldn't be rectified at the same time. I mean, if you have the opportunity to get a better offensive coordinator, then you should probably do it. But if there's nobody else in the market, switching just to switch, you know, I'm not sure that that's a great idea either. Yeah, and I think switching because the better is available, you know, I don't think that's ever a good thing either because there's always someone better out there. And we'd be. You know, we'd be spending half our days just, you know, making changes because, oh, that guy seems like he's better. So I know that's just my point being that, you know, is everybody's so quick to say, well, why is the offense, you know, stink, especially in the last couple of months? And the first thing is, well, Garrett's, you know, Jason Garrett. It's like, well, let's let's see what's the difference if, you know, take that out of the equation. And I think I'm following exactly what you're following. I mean, it's, it's I, players have to play and you have to have the players to play. And I think that's still the biggest thing. Yeah, for me, I, I like the run-first philosophy for what we've got. Um, I, I think that when we've switched to the power man scheme, you know, and we've switched things up, it's it's worked. Uh, the difference has been we haven't switched up our, our passing game. And there are times where w- I look at plays and I'm like, well, where was he supposed to throw? I mean, no wonder he took the sack because you've got five guys standing five yards downfield they're all covered, and they're very close together. So, you know, I, I get it. Um, it's, it is both, though. I think if you switched out Garrett for somebody else, the offense looks better. Um, it probably produces more yards. But I'm not sure that it gets much more wins because I think Daniel Jones is also going to be taking more sacks. He'll be turning the ball over a little bit more because there is a talent problem as well. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think it's, I think it's both, and I, I think that they're definitely going to upgrade talent in the offseason. Whether or not they upgrade offensive coordinator remains to be seen. Or if the offensive coordinator just changes the offense to be a little bit better because he has the talent suddenly, you know, it's going to be one of those two. I, I definitely think I definitely think it's going to be he's going to get another year to see with some increased talent and, and a full year of implementing what he wants to do in a full year of working with Daniel Jones. I, I, I really do. I think – if you start making those moves, those moves seem like you're feeding, you know, Christians to the Lions. It really does. And 
that doesn't mean it's not maybe in the long term best interest to do it, but it just seems like an easy headline grabbing. I'm appeasing you people for now type of move, and I don't know if that does more good or harm doing it. So I, I think I think he'll be back next year unless he gets another gig somewhere else and he wants to move on. Yeah, that's. I no, mean, there's going to be. In which case, see you later. I, I, yeah, you know, I'm surprised this year. I didn't expect to see many, if any, coaches getting canned or coordinators, especially midseason. I thought, you know, I thought teams were going to have. Well, first of all, I didn't expect the league to be as running as smoothly as it relatively is. I thought there would be missed weeks. I thought, you know, we'd be pushing the Super Bowl back by now. I, you know, so to have us relatively on course, you know, that's a blessing. And so maybe some of that leeway that I thought coaches might get, they didn't get. And I think some coaches got fired because they asked for it. I, I, I think, uh, what's his name with the Jets? Defensive Greg Williams, he deserved it. He was asking to be fired by being an asshole. Uh, but, you know, there's going to be openings. There's going to be openings all around this league. And, you know, Owners do one of two things: they like the hotshot new, you know, big name coordinator for somewhere, or they go into the retread booth. And Jason Garrett is going to be in that, uh, you know, in that collection of coaches who somebody's going to take another chance. He will be a head coach in this league again somewhere. I can guarantee it. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be next year, but he will get another shot. Yeah, I can see that as well. Um, you know, if Jason, if if this. If this team goes out and gets Devontae Smith or, or Jamar Chase and this offense looks the same, then he's as good as gone. I can guarantee you that. So, well, that, yeah, that would be that would make more sense. That would be two years in. The excuses that were in the the leeway we're giving him would would be gone next year. And yeah, that would be yeah. You would you would start that. Those are the steps that a head coach has to start taking to save his own skin. You know, you start looking at things like, you know, even start a little early. He started with the, the offensive line coach going. That's what I'm saying, yeah. That's usually phase one of I'm going to, you know, protect myself at kind of all costs. The next thing is your coordinators you look in when, you know, after two years, I think you get a good sense of is this the direction we want to go? Maybe not necessarily the execution, but the direction. And, uh, you know, that will that remains to be seen. We're also talking – you know, 18 games out before end of next year, and you know, hopefully a net increase in talent over this off season. The the bigger issue here is um, for the immediate is is Daniel Jones going to play? Uh, officially, he has been listed as limited. Um, he is dealing with the hamstring holdover, but now also an ankle injury that he sustained in the second half of the game against the Cardinals. Um, I would say Joe Judge is playing pretty coy about it. He remains optimistic. He was encouraged by what he saw in practice. Um, But based on how he performed last week with the hamstring injury and how much it changed his game, whether that was by design to protect him um, or if that was him internally making those decisions not to run or you know, not audibling to something or not just not scrambling as well because he's afraid of testing his hamstring. I have to think that Jones is probably not playing this game. Especially with a uh, a pass rush as good as Cleveland's, where they're going to pin their ears back and go after him. 
And, you know, that's where you might see, you know, the, the offensive line struggle again or worse, the turnovers return because of a, a blind side hit or even worse, Jones getting really hurt. So this is the worst possible, you know, time you play in Cleveland, I, I think, is, you know, with this question mark at, at, at quarterback and just the limitations of him, even if he does play. You know, it's frustrating. I don't mean to circle back to Jason Garrett, but um, I, I just – like you said, this is an opportunity for the likes of Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson or whatever uh, to, to pin their ears back and pass rush, right? And there are two really effective ways to slow down a pass rush. The first is to run the ball, you know, often. And then when you want to throw, use your play action to hold them up. The second way is to throw screens. And I'm like thinking back on it. I can't remember the last time we threw a screen pass. And I don't mean like a wide receiver shuttle pass. I mean real bubble screen to a running back. Throw right to where the guy's coming at you from. Well, the, the idea is the tackles, guards, they let guys go through them. They kind of mm-hmm. fake block and they they let a defensive end slip through. And they pin their ears back. They start rushing. The pass goes right over their head. And now tackles and guards are out in front. That, that's what I mean. Yeah. You throw to where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah. You, you throw right beyond them. And, and it, it the next time you go to run a play, it, it just it slows them down. They double. They, they have to think more about what they're doing. Is this guy actually letting me go or am I breaking through here? Um, I have a third option too. Well, the, I mean, okay. The offensive line playing better. Well, yes. <laughs> not playing so horribly and actually doing their jobs and not making it – like like just a you know a sieve where these guys can just run right through and cause constant constant pleasure. Well, they have to they have to play better. <laughs> that's that's a, it's absolutely true. And what's frustrating is that last week was the first time I can think of where all five guys had a, a frustrating game. I mean, it wasn't this wasn't Andrew Thomas with just constant pressure around the edge. This wasn't Cam Fleming falling down every other play. It. This was literally all five. Kevin Zeitler gave up two rushes on back-to-back drives. That is very unlike him. Something, something was off last week with communication. They were confused at blitz pickups or, or something. I don't really know what that was. And you know, Kevin Zeitler's on the injury report from last week. A holdover. He was dealing with a shoulder injury, but still, it's very unlike. You know, we can complain about the talent on this team. The offensive line needs to get better. But this is the first time that I can really think of where everybody had a game that they would probably like to forget. Um, I hope that that's not a trend that's going to continue. But you're right. The number one way to really stop a pass rush, the most straightforward way to stop a pass rush is to block it. Do your job and block them. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to block them every single time, but the thing is you don't want to make it something where it's like, well, we can't do this part of our game plan. It's just not going to work today. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And whether McCoy or Jones is back there, you know, we saw this and it was – Frustrating, but also refreshing to see McCoy get strip-sacked because it just is visual proof that when a quarterback gets hit, there's a good chance he's going to drop the ball. It is not a Daniel Jones-specific problem. And don't – and I saw somebody say something stupid like, is that just a Giants the way they teach the quarterbacks how to hold the ball and stuff? That it's, is the no. dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, no, guys. It's, Aaron you know, Rodgers gets strip-sacked. You know, it, it's a sure. thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. What's one of those famous highlights? You know, we had in the uh, was it the '86 uh, 
playoff game against the 49ers of Montana getting strip sacked mm-hmm. like that. I mean, and it's that's, the 2011 uh, divisional game against the Packers. OCU Manure strip sacked um, Aaron Rodgers. It, this shit happens. I mean, this is so silly to even be talking about. Like, as if as if we, we hire guys with tiny hands or something like that. It's, it's a, <laughs> this is what happens when guys don't we get elected president. So yeah. <laughs> um. So. Okay, those are some big ones, right? Kevin Zeitler, Daniel Jones. I'm expecting McCoy to play. Um, that's going to probably change some things from our game planning perspective, but it can't change too much. Um, the bigger problem. The other thing. Go ahead. One more thing is that you know, there's no way that Garrett can coach from his house, right? I mean, it's, it, he's I, not allowed to, no, I don't, I don't think that's, he's not allowed to have contact with the coaches. He's not allowed to have contact with the players and none of that stuff. Right. It, are you when you're about on like the rest of the week before the game, I'm talking about during the game no, or even so. before the game, like he, he can't conduct practices or he can't be zoomed in as they're doing like meetings and things or I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I've seen anyone even suggest that idea, but I don't think that that's possible. They've already announced that kitchens is going to do it. Um, so, so I always feel like I always feel like it's like a manager in baseball when he, you know when he gets thrown out of the game for arguing, he's usually in the clubhouse and he's usually getting word to mm-hmm. you know the uh, the fill in manager you know bring this guy in do this you know blah blah blah. Yeah, so it's, it's so much different, right? Those are like adjustments where you can just text, hey, uh, get tell so and so to start warming up in the pen. You know what I mean? Right. It's so yeah. different from like texting or calling in a whole play. Yeah, and also I'm not even sure that it would be effective because. Well, I mean, you're in the headsets. I mean, like, if you can somehow be patched in, like but that's, you know, but that's like closed circuit to the sideline, so that it can't be stolen. So that yeah. the only way that would work is if it were somehow an unsecure connection to the sideline, and then the sideline to relay that in on the headset is the only way that would work. So. I Unless mean, he's quarantined somewhere in the stadium, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, it feels like technologically they can do it. Like the question is, sure. is it is it legal? Is it like, yeah, you know, being rules that it hasn't prevent. been done? I'm going to say, well, has a because there's there's no inactive list for coaches. Yeah, I mean, there's an active list for players. You're on the roster. I mean, I know there's X amount of coaches that can be on the field, or you know, assigned coaches, but it doesn't mean that they can't have contact with people. So I don't know. I mean, if they really wanted him to be a part of Sunday's game, I feel like there's a way you can. Yeah. Basically, I'll say it like this. If it were Patrick Graham, I think they would probably ask the question before it were uh, Jason Garrett. <laughs> well, I mean, he's your offensive coordinator. Just because pe- people are pissed at it and people are you know, taking that stance that he has to leave doesn't I, mean – I just mean in terms of effectiveness and how important he is. I mean, if you had to pick one reason, one singular person – for the reason why the defense has been so good, the answer has to be Patrick Graham. So, I understand that. Yeah, no, I'm just, uh, I, that was that was just my joke. I said, yeah, okay, good one. He, he's he's the <laughs> he's the MVP of the defense. That's all. He's the MVP of this team. It's. I would say that there's a good chance that Patrick Graham has more to do with Joe Judge's success than maybe Joe Judge. Sure. Um, well, let's put it this way: it it takes the 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 hounds off of him. Which is right Absolutely. now what, yeah. what you need as you're when you're a first year head coach inheriting a bad situation and you're going to have a bad record. Not necessarily you're as bad of a team as you were last year. You need distractions to get people off your ass. Yeah, and so you, you know can work a win, because you're not going to be good coming right in. Right, 
You want perception to change, even if it doesn't really mean a whole hell of a lot. Beating Seattle changes your perception. Being in first place in the beginning of December changes perception. Having a defense that some people were whispering about is it's not so bad six weeks ago to now full-throated, they got a good defense, changes perception. So really all you want Joe Judge to get through year one is like what we all wanted to see. We wanted to see a team turning in the right direction, but you want perception to change that he's doing a good job, whether he really is or not. And a lot of that, to your point, is a credit to the defense and a credit to Patrick Graham, who he should get the credit for hiring him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of defense, they're up Shits Creek there as well. You know, despite whatever injuries or deficiencies the offense had, they could rely on the defense to give a good game um, and an opportunity to win just about every week, um, in part due to James Bradbury's stellar year, I would say Pro Bowl year for sure. Um, he is now out. Uh, he has been placed on the COVID reserve list due to being in close contact with a positive test result, uh, who was an independent chiropractor, not affiliated with the team or facility. So he has to remain quarantined from the team for five days, regardless of how many negative tests he churns out, which puts him at an out status for the game. On top of that, slot corner Darnay Holmes still has not practiced. He didn't play last week. He still has not practiced at all because of a knee issue. Um, I would think that he's probably out. So we're looking at, I mean, Xavier McKinney came back at just the right time because I think we're looking at McKinney maybe playing the slot with Logan Ryan on the outside and Julian Love and Jabril Peppers at uh, safety and then Isaac Yadam at the other corner. And that's stretching it really thin because the only other corner on roster is like Jaron Williams or something like that. Basically they cut him. a special teamer. That's Did they just cut him? He's been on and off the roster. Oh, okay. I, don't know. I assume now, this all happened today, Thursday, James Bradbury. Um, I assume a roster move will be made to fill that vacancy and it will probably be in the secondary yeah i would i would say so yeah that's a tough blow but you know we've been relatively lucky mm-hmm. that's i mean true. we've had health we've had a couple of yeah. we've had a couple yeah health wise and covid wise i mean we've had a couple of instances a couple of cases you know we the ones we had that that little mini little uh outbreak happened around the bye week so we were able to kind of you know survive that um, you know, you never want anybody getting it, but unfortunately, you know, the probably the best, the most talented or the most biggest MVP on the field this year gets it. Um, but that's, you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, anybody, any team, it can hit any team. I mean, look at Denver. Denver lost an entire quarterback room because of it. So it's just, in it, it's, you have to keep that mindset. It's no different than somebody, you know, turns an ankle in practice or it happens in the game like that's football and you're not going to go through the entire season with your you know that starting 22 that you thought about all off season who's it going to be you know you have to adjust and uh sucks but you know if it's something where it's not he's just being held aside as a precaution then we'll see him next week yeah, and uh, you know when I initially looked at this game, I thought to myself, you know, I'm not that worried about Jarvis Landry. I think that the scheme and James Bradbury is enough to lock him up. Um, 
Now I'm worried because now we're pretty much just looking at scheme. Not saying that other guys aren't capable of whatever, but you know, this this the scheme itself loses firepower when James Bradbury is out. You know, we've got guys playing slightly out of position, even if they're smart, even if they're talented. This is a huge hit, and you have a very talented wide receiver on the other side. Um, that's going to be an issue now. Um, Jarvis Landry is going to be an issue. Getting into the, the the sort of matchup portion of this game, you know, on defense, what we've really got to do is um, attack. And uh, we do a lot of bend, not break, but I think this is a week where we're going to see something different than what we saw against Arizona. Not necessarily product-wise, but... Um, well, I mean, end result-wise, hopefully is the same. You know, really, really limiting what an offense can do, which is what they did last week despite the score. Um, well, the, the big difference is right now the type of quarterback we're facing. Exactly. We are not, we're not facing a guy who's going to be running around all over the place and creating something out of nothing. Yeah, and Patrick Graham admitted that, that the defensive linemen were, were instructed not to go full throttle and kind of give him a lane. You know, they were kind of playing contain all across the line. And maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. I mean, Kyler Murray didn't really scramble. We didn't see him running like Lamar Jackson for 40-yard gains for touchdowns no, or anything like that. I mean, he's, so he's, he's going to get work. some yards. But, yeah. but that same strategy is not going to be deployed against Baker Mayfield, who's mobile guy. He can move, but he's not totally unlike Daniel Jones in, in his mobility. You know, he just is able to move well, and I would actually say he's probably less mobile than Daniel Jones. You don't really see any designed runs for... Baker Mayfield, but a lot of rollouts, a lot of moving the pocket, and a lot of navigating the pocket. Um, that said, uh, yeah, I would I wouldn't call Daniel Jones mobile. I call him a good running quarterback. There's yeah. a difference. Yeah, that's that. Well, you know, when he was in Pat Shermer's offense, he did a lot more rolling out and a lot of you know mobility. You know, and a lot of staying behind the line of scrimmage, movement in the pocket. You know, move the pocket to the right or left side. I think he's good rolling out to his right side and throwing, but. This offense right now is not really asking Jones to drop back too much, a lot of three-step drops, and this offense right now is not asking him to roll out a whole lot. So I think that he is a mobile quarterback. This offense, he's not really being asked to be one. So No, I meant, I, meant descri- I, meant des- I meant describing him. I yeah. didn't mean like what we're trying to do. Like that's really, true. I wouldn't describe him as a mobile quarterback. I'd describe him as a good running quarterback. That, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. But um, that said... Um, there is a glimmer of hope here without James Bradbury. And this would this would be great if Bradbury could play, but right now Cleveland on their injury report has their right tackle Jack Conklin has been limited with a knee issue. Um, their right guard Wyatt Teller did not practice yet this week with an ankle issue. Their center knee issue limited practice. That's the whole right side of the line. I mean, that's just throw blitzers at it. Just hit him. Just keep pushing him back. Um, the more pressure, and and for what it's worth, uh, Baker Baker Mayfield does a lot more damage rolling out to his right. Um, so that is an important side to attack. You know, I know a lot is made of the blind side and all that stuff. Well, especially but, that's the side where the, the injuries seem to be right yeah, now. Yeah, just pile it up. I mean, just yeah, just even if you're faking blitzes, confuse them. You know, get them worried, make them overstep their their sets. You know. All sorts of things like that. I have to imagine that there's going to be some level of pressure being put right there. Uh, you know, and again, this is still a young quarterback, Baker Mayfield. This is this is still playing into Patrick Graham's uh, ace up his sleeve of confusing young quarterbacks with a lot of disguised coverage, etc. Um, we're probably going to be asking more of a Xavier McKinney this week, so we'll see how complicated some of the coverage gets. But 
Um, you know, that's got to be it. The, the main thing that can't happen is they cannot let Cleveland chew up the clock and convert third downs by running the ball with Chubb and Hunt. They can't do that. That's that's the, that's our game plan. That's what we do. We score when we can, and we chew up the clock, and we convert third downs by running the ball effectively. Can't let them do that. We're not we're not good enough to come back quickly. We need if they're going to score, it has to be quick scores, and you know a lot of. And we don't want the, we don't want this defense on the field very long either. We don't want so, them wearing down. If if we're going to go out and just try to blitz this guy and put tremendous pressure, that's going to exert a lot of energy on these guys. And if we can't get off the field on third and four and third and six and third and eight and third and one and third and two. And these become, you know, 12 play drives, 14 play drives. And, you know, the, the offense is, you know, impotent and we're just giving the ball back to them. You know, that game plan sounds good on paper, but they're going to be done when you get to the fourth quarter. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, especially if they're on the field as long as they were. That, that first half for Arizona, the defense played what should have been what they played all game. They played two games on Sunday. Yeah. Um, Offensively, you know, it sucks that Jones is out for this one because this is the game I would say rip it. Denzel Ward is is limited all week with a calf injury. He's the only guy back there that even scares me a little bit. On top of that, safety Andrews and Deho is out with a concussion. He hasn't practiced yet. I don't think he's playing. I don't know if they gave him an official diagnosis or not, uh, designation or not. But this is a game where, yeah, I know about their pass rush, but this is where I run the ball, run play action, and start throwing it deep down their throats. Uh I don't know that they're really going to do that with Colt McCoy, um, but nevertheless, if you're going to slow down a pass rush, running the ball is key, and that's kind of the way this team is set up right now, is to run the ball. We are trying to power our way through games, because that's where the strength is right now. So, And also, it shortens games. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I think that this is going to be one of the... I, I hope that the opening play calling script is nice and varied, but we slowly slide into the run first, pass second kind of thing. I don't want to wait until our first drive of the second half to realize that Wayne Gallman picks up eight yards a carry. <laughs> I don't want to wait for that again. So, I'm hoping that... Uh... Hey, Grant, let me ask you a question. What is your general philosophy about coin tosses? Are you a guy who prefers to... Get the ball first and try to score first, or are you a defer guy? You know, not necessarily for like sticking your defensive chest out, but more like to be the guy like score at the end of the half, get the ball back to start the second half type guy. What is your what is your stance? It depends on the makeup of my team, and it depends on the makeup of their team. Um, you know, there are guys that heat up right away and uh, they don't really... There are teams that that score a lot right away and they don't do a whole lot of adjusting at halftime. Those kind of guys, you know, I'll take the ball first. Minimize what they do in the first half. Get a feel for what they're doing. They get the ball less times in the first half. They don't adjust at halftime. That's their fault. There are other teams like, you know, the Patriots for the last million years with Brady and Belichick were kings of completely changing their game plan at halftime. They would come out and run a totally different offense. And it didn't matter if they were down 28-3 to at halftime. They would come back and win because they knew how to just change things on the fly. Those games, I want them to not have the ball in the second half as much as possible. But, you know, it really, it's going to depend on matchups. I, I think that ideally for the team that you have, the ability to run a two-minute offense really well, I understand the concept of uh, really putting them in a tough position late in the game by scoring right before halftime, then getting the ball to start the second half, 
and scoring again, you know, hopefully being up by at least two scores, you know, does a lot. I, I, I don't think that there is a general philosophy that wins every time. I think your the makeup of your team and your opponent means a lot to how you handle situations. Gotcha. I am I am generally a give me the ball first guy. I think that everything changes when you are behind. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, there's, you know, there's a different mentality when you're losing. I think you, you get a little bit, a little bit out of your comfort level, even if it's seven, nothing. Um, I like to have the ball first. I want to have the opportunity to try to at least put them in that mindset when the first time they get the ball. Um, although, you know, I'm going to keep, I refer back to Florida again, we've been the masters this year of scoring at the end of a half and then getting the ball back and scoring right away. And that 14 point swing changes games. Sure. Especially when it's that late in the game, you know what I mean? Being up by 14 in the first quarter is great and all, but it's, there's so much time and it's just two scores, you know? Yeah. When I say just two scores, there's a huge difference when it's the first quarter still. And when it's the third, when you, when you're like looking at like, this might be our last six possessions to score twice. That's a big deal. When it's yeah. when it's early in the game, coaches used to say this all the time. Forget, don't look at the scoreboard. We need to score on this drive. Worry about this drive only. That's all we need to worry about. Forget about the scoreboard. And you know, you score a touchdown, and now it's fourteen seven. It's really not that big of a deal anymore. You know, a defensive score completely flips everything. You know, the the game is not lost in the first quarter, no matter what the score is. So, and you know, the the Patriots against the Falcons Super Bowl really showed all of that. Um. You know, obviously that's a, a significant outlier, but yeah, that that my position is always when you're up by two scores in the third quarter, you're looking at the la- like under ten possessions left in the game to score twice is a lot of pressure to put on somebody, and it makes offensive coordinators do stupid shit like stop doing what works. Yeah, they start chasing. Yeah, exactly, and it that allows your defense to pin their ears back, and you know. But again, if if I don't have a pass rushy defense, if my defense isn't very good, it's not really going to matter all that much. So, um, I'm okay with what Joe Judge has done so far this year. I think that no, it, no, it hasn't. I, hit. I mean, I'm just bringing it back. I, I don't think that Joe Judge has done anything that has made me scratch my head in terms of coin toss or fourth down decisions too much. You know, some things here and there I think we can argue about, but nothing obvious. That's football. I mean, we all are armchair quarterbacks, armchair coaches, but you're right. I mean, that's something we did like with Pat Shermer right away. It's like almost every game that first year. What are you doing? Why are we doing this? Why do you do that? We we haven't had really any of those this year. I mean, the biggest head scratcher we have in hindsight now is, you know, the decision to start Daniel Jones last week, you know, did – yeah. What what medical inf- advice was he given? What you know, honesty was given by Daniel Jones. What you know, how much did he go against recommendations from not to play in a you know? Is he a stubborn guy or not? We don't know, but that's really been the only thing. But you know, going for it on fourth down here, kicking the field goal here, you know, it's been pretty sound. And it's something like you know, if you don't think about it, that means he's doing a good job. And that's kind of how I feel with him. Do you think that that has to do with him not having his nose two feet buried into a playbook? Oh, it, it can't hurt. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. we, we said that with McAdoo and we said that with all these guys where they just – you can't see the forest from the trees when you are thinking about the next play and you're trying to analyze what you need to do in your head. You have used the term a lot, a CEO manager, um, coach. 
And that's what Joe Judge is. And its CEO doesn't uh, doesn't work at the cash register at Walmart. You know, he doesn't bring in the shopping carts. He doesn't do logistics for when this truck is going to get to Pittsburgh. His job is to direct at the top and make sure that he has got the right people in the right place to put everybody in the right position to win. And uh, that's, you know, maybe that might have been a philosophy that, uh, you know, Mayor and Gettleman were wanted to go with more someone it doesn't and someone who doesn't have the ego to feel like he has to do that you know you know maybe that might have been one of the things for you know when uh, a pat Shermer comes here a guy who was successful play caller is like i'm going to do what i do best in addition and uh you know judge not having that background might have helped and maybe that was something they were looking for might have had a lot to do with the, the reason why he was the hire or maybe he sold them on that yeah the one thing I do want to say is, take while we're watching this game, get a look at what Kevin Stefanski has going on for the Cleveland offense. Because to me, I don't think that they are built all that differently. I mean, they have a bit of a head start on the rebuild because I don't think there's really a discernible start to Cleveland. Because they started since 1997, yeah, is that why? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's really unclear on where the rebuild started or didn't start. But, you know, they have a head start in that they have Odell Beckham and... Jarvis Landry and Baker, Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb. I mean, they have a lot of skill position talent. Um, but the offense is not really, from a philosophy standpoint, in my opinion, all that different from what Jason Garrett is. And that's run first, play action, and throw down field. The difference is the downfield part is just happening more right now. Um, the mix-up of run and pass, the, the emphasis on play action and, and moving the pocket is different. So well, you, you could be more scared with a running game with them than us. I mean, absolutely, one hundred percent. Dalman's doing a nice, admirable job what he's doing, but he's not Chubb. I think you there know? are, yeah, one hundred percent. There's not a single fan of the NFL that doesn't know Nick Chubb's name, but I think there are fans within the division that don't know Wayne Gallman's name. You're right. Mm-hmm. And that having that. You know, established running game and that the perception of a great running game and the fear of that running game makes play action that much more effective too. I mean, you're gonna have to really sell it if you're the Giants on play action. You know, with you know, it, it, this running game has been better. It's not great by any stretch. It's not enough that you can just assume we're leaning on it so well and being effective. And oops, they just ran play action. And guys are wide open all over the place. And also, our receivers just don't get open to make it. You know. When they have the opportunity and something like that too, so it comes down to execution as much as it does for, you know, play design and play calling. Yeah, but uh, you know, just something to to think about. I I don't think that my my point is maybe the philosophy isn't wrong, but just maybe some of the play design is wrong. And again, that could be designed because the offensive line there's not a lot of confidence there. That could be handed above Jason Garrett for what he you know whatever. So. Just, just things to think about. That, that to me, the Jason Garrett offense and philosophy pushed to its limit is what Kevin Stefanski is currently running and running in, in air quotes because he's the head coach and not the offensive coordinator there, but he's running it. Um, let's go to predictions here. Um, I will go first. I think McCoy plays this game, and I think that really hampers things. I think James Bradbury not being there really screws things up defensively. And unless there is a defensive score or a pair of turnovers or something to put the offense in good field position, I think this one is a tough loss. 
And I think we're looking at something like Cleveland 27 and the Giants 13. This is 2020 and anything is possible, but uh, I know one thing that is not probable and is that the Giants are winning this week. Uh, you know, if Colton McCoy plays, it's not that he gives us a better chance to win. It just lessens the chance of a disaster. And, you know, we are in a very tough spot right now. It's how much does this organization value winning a division this year as opposed to potential long-term effects of getting your franchise quarterback hurt. And, you know, I don't know what that calculus is for them. If it was me, I'd do the best I can with Colt McCoy and hope we win. And, you know, if we don't, we fall short this year, that wasn't really the goal anyway, winning division. So I, again, last week I predicted Colt McCoy was going to play and we would lose badly. Um, I was shocked when Daniel Jones played and that we lost badly. (laughs) So, I, again, am predicting that Colt McCoy is going to play. I am very, very worried about this pass rush. I am, you know, I don't know if last week was just a blip in the offensive line having a major step back, or is it just they are starting to run out of gas? I mean, we are playing with two rookies, you know, and a guy, it's his first year starting at center, and the number of plays is starting to add up on these guys, too. Uh, I... Not having Bradbury is a killer. I think it changes maybe what they want to do schematically, even on defense, to kind of adjust for it. And his secondary is not good enough or cross-trained enough to be able to absorb that and not really miss a beat. Um, but we are playing Cleveland. And when I say losers lose, I think that was invented in Cleveland. <laughs> so, you know, again... They, this they is have 20- a patent on it, I think. I, I think so. I, I really, you know... You know, they are changing the name of the Cleveland Indians to something less offensive. Maybe they should just change their name to the Cleveland Losers Lose. It's just the the symbol of the city. Um, I I can't see us winning this game. I I think the run is over. You know, I'm I'm appreciative of keeping me interested as we're this close to Christmas. Um, But I think that, uh, you know, we are playing teams that are above our pay grade right now. And... That Seattle game probably made people think we are in that pay grade as well, and we're not. So I am going to say this is going to be something like uh, Cleveland, 35, Giants, 10. Whipping around the division really, really quickly there. Uh, Seattle, since you just mentioned them, is playing at Washington. You know, Washington is coming off of a big win over Pittsburgh. But I am thinking that that has a lot more to do with Pittsburgh not being able to prepare properly. Um, I, I think Seattle wins this one. Who's the starting quarterback? Is it Dwayne Haskins? I think it is Haskins. I, I think I think it's going to be Haskins. I don't think anything was announced just yet. But uh, Alex Smith's um, in jeopardy for this week. Give me Seattle and Penn. In a, in a pretty deep pen. I think Washington had a major bump because they had a major upgrade it in talent at the quarterback position. And we've seen in this league, quarterback means a lot. Um, they have a nice defense. Chase Young last week put on a real clinic. Uh, but I think Seattle, I, I, I think that loss to the Giants is a kick in the ass to them. They unloaded on the Jets last week. 
and I think they see the finish line now, and uh, they're not going to dick around with teams like Washington anymore. I'll, I'll get that uh, Seattle in, in heavy pen. Philadelphia is traveling to Arizona. Um, Philadelphia is also coming off of a win last week. A little bit surprising, uh, I would say, playing the Saints. Uh, but again, a Drew Brees-less Saints. Um, I don't know about this one. Uh, I think it might be Philadelphia. Maybe. But this one could go either way for me. This is, is very is Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts starting a quarterback? I haven't heard otherwise. You know, I think this is one of those things where a quarterback comes in, you have no tape on him last week. He looks good. You know, those cheesesteaks all of a sudden think they're going back to the Super Bowl. You know, much like Giant fans felt after they beat Seattle. Let's not get ahead of our our skis. Um, they have to go out to the West Coast. Uh, you know, again, we. The thing now, it's interesting. All these teams that everybody's playing is we get, we've just seen all these teams play, and we know the ins and outs of them. And you know, Kyler Murray could be a, a, a big problem for their defense. I, I'm going to say, you know, until Philly or really anyone in this division proves they beat good teams consistently, I'm not going to pick them. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, the Cardinals in ten. And lastly, San Francisco is traveling to Dallas. Um, this is another one where I don't really know what level of effort Dallas is putting into anything, and San Francisco's season is all the way Done. lost now. Um, Done, yeah. I, I, I think that Dallas is going to win this one. Um, I guess maybe I would think differently if this were in San Francisco, maybe. But again, this is another one where I don't really know where Dallas's efforts at. You know, I know Washington is pushing for the division right now. Philadelphia, I, I, I don't know. Like, you know, they're so hurt, and and you know, they're they're switching out quarterbacks is a huge move that shows a level of disinterest, whether they won or not against. New Orleans. Dallas is just another one. I don't, I don't know what the, what the team vibe is. It seems to be fairly negative and fairly cool on McCarthy and just around the building doesn't seem to be very positive. I don't know that they're fully invested in this game against San Francisco. So that's, that's what makes these two games very hard for me to judge. Um, well, I know, I know one person who's fully invested in McCarthy, and that's Jerry Jones. I mean, he said this week, it's crazy to think he's not coming back next year. So when you get that, and that's a team that it really, they're kind of like the Dallas Mavericks with Mark Cuban, where the voice of it comes from the absolute top. That These owners set the mantra, they set the culture of these teams. And Jerry Jones is not a guy who blows smoke up people's ass. When he says something, it usually kind of happens. And uh, I think having a, a public affirmation of your job i think that might change a little bit in the building because things were so bad earlier this year and they still are bad but you start getting to that crazy talk of like this guy is a one-year guy and he's done and that snowballs the lack of interest with with, you know the players and support staff and everything but when you're told he's coming back next year you know now you just start playing for your job because now this guy is not going to get shit canned this guy is the one who's going to look at film from you and say, I want you on my team or I don't want you on my team. So it, it may not necessarily be a question of being interested to win a division or not, but it's self-preservation. And, 
you know, San Francisco, it's not good. I watch a lot of San Francisco games. Um, and when you see the backup to the backup quarterback on your camera warming up, usually a bad sign. Usually means, you know, hopefully it's not because your quarterback's hurt, but it usually means your backup quarterback blows and they're looking for another option. Um, I am going to go ahead and say Dallas in pencil. I am not going to the casino to bet on it, but I have a feeling that they are going to sneak away with a win. And I think this division is just going to keep tightening and tightening to when we get to week, you know, 17, there could be 73 different permutations of what actually happens. I just hope, honestly, I honestly just hope the Giants are still in that mix when we get to the end. Because right now, of the four teams, the team I'm worried about the most right now, and I'm going to be very honest, is the Giants. Yeah, 100%. Again, this is a tight race, and we only play one division opponent. So the only thing the Giants can do is win. Forget about everybody else. You win out, and you're probably in. In fact, if they win out, they are in. Because the only team who can win as much as them is Washington, and we have the tiebreaker. And everybody has difficult non-conference, uh, non-division games on their schedule going in. Some might have one, some might have two. You know, we have two difficult ones coming up. Uh, everybody's got something. Everybody's got a Seattle left. Everybody's got you know these teams that are, are are tough teams. So nobody has an easy path to get there. And in that last week, we're all playing each other. So you know, when we start talking about tiebreakers and stuff, we still have that Washington thing in our back pocket. But we also, you know, we we split with Philly. We have to split with Dallas. Yeah. So, you know, it's just going to be interesting. I, I just hope we're in a position when we get to week 17 that – That game matters for us. It matters for us. Yeah. And it would really suck if the other three teams are fighting for it and we're the one that's out. I don't want to play spoiler. That doesn't make me feel happy. No. Well, that's going to do it for us. Um, this game is on Sunday Night Football, so you will be – getting tweets from me from about 8 o'clock at night all the way through to about midnight and whether the, we win or lose probably after that as well and my Twitter is at football underscore grump I am getting on a plane Saturday morning to Atlanta and I'll be walking to the gallows at the Mercedes-Benz dome to watch my beloved Florida Gators be served up to Alabama um if I don't kill myself or just don't get destroyed, I will be tweeting about the game on Sunday night. Uh, I will not be as despondent as I was last week because I am fully expecting a loss. So once I have that in my head, it's not don't talk to me. So I will be available on Twitter at the Cranky Fan to discuss this all-important Sunday night football matchup. And I am actually looking forward to the Grump complaining about I am Michaels once again. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Um, as always this podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and Google Play and everywhere else for free so be sure to subscribe for free and um, all these episodes will be ready and waiting for you every morning on Tuesday and Friday and how about a and how about a five star rating and a nice review? That'd be fun. Yeah. Now tell us how tell us that you enjoy the show. Tell us that you learn something. Tell us that uh my selection of Christmas songs is ridiculous. Uh, say anything. Just let us know you're out there, and <laughs> we'd love to hear from all of you. And uh, 
We are talking about some fun things in the new year to make this show even better and more interactive. So stay tuned. Yes. Uh, and thank you all for for those of you who have been with us for a long time now. Um, we've been doing this show for a long time. And there are some people who still talk to us that have been talking to us since the very beginning. <laughs> so um, thank you, to everybody. New fans. Yes, I would say first, over. get some medical attention. And second of all, <laughs> thank you for supporting us. <laughs> all right, everyone. We'll see you Sunday night. Go Giants. Go Giants.